1: Welcome into the Piffles Podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us. That was the Arcana Kings with Here We Go. My name is Alex. Steve.
0: And I am in the home of the Red Barn. God's country. Perfection was born here. Welcome to Mooseman, Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah, but Furlan was born the Moose?
0: Was Furlan actually born here? I, to be fair, I was born here first, so...
1: <laughs> i i called dibs and they kept trying until they got furlin and look what happened and then they just gave up yeah <laughs> um welcome to those listening on your favorite podcast plat- platform viewers on youtube and of course new viewers on sastel max happy to have you on board here we have so much to talk about oh my goodness i can't believe it. there's a lot going on in the cfl um You can give us a follow first on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. Find me at Safamod. And as
0: always, I do not need nor want your P-Follows at Greg on Sports. On X!
1: Uh, Piffles Podcast brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Make sure you check them out, especially when it's 30 degrees outside. It's a good time for a blizzard. Let's get things started here. Talk some football. It's time for the opening kickoff. All right. So we'll we'll go over this Riders at Montreal Alouettes game from last week. Losing forty-one to twelve, Riders dropped the record to four and five. Um, before we dig into this, am I the only one that I'm not concerned about this loss? Does, it, does this loss bother you guys? Because it doesn't really mean much to me. It didn't
0: really bother me as much. What bothered me the entire time was I was driving, so I had to listen to it on the radio. And then that bothered me. And then I had to listen to the call and show after and just listening to everyone basically getting their pitchforks and torches ready. I am... Um, wanted to run everyone out of town and that's just not the way how this is going to work so i and i yes i've heard it from belton i've heard it from eddie Steele, i've heard it from every former player that don't bring travel into these guys are professionals i am sorry that team looked tired and flat like you can't tell me that travel didn't have anything to do with it or something to do with it we probably wouldn't have won the way the way we played but still
1: I don't know that. if it was the travel, it's just the lack of preparation days. That was the, that was the big thing. But we're going to talk about, we'll talk about preparation in a bit because I have that, I have that listed here. Um, and, and the reason why I'm not too worried about this, the riders go to Montreal every second year and get blown out anyway. I expect that most of the time when they go to Montreal, even if the team's good. So, for them to lose this game, I, I'm more disappointed. It's, it's one of those, I'm not mad at you, I'm just disappointed, kind of things. Um, I, I was I was just... They just didn't show up. They just didn't care. And that was the part that frustrates me, especially with how this team has gone the last couple of years. I, I expect more out of them, and hopefully we get... I know we'll see a better team against BC, but just losing the game and, and Getting blown out to me, eh, whatever. I mean, that ha- I, I expect that in Montreal.
2: It's really forward. It. of them. Saint Catherine Street
1: Blue. I may have gotten that once or twice.
2: <laughs> I've only been to Montreal once and practiced. I avoided it. One day of practice, tons of flying over the last what three weeks. You go Regina to BC, back to Regina, out to Halifax, back to Regina, back to Montreal. That's a lot of travel. And I don't care what they say, whether travel plays into it or not. But you combine that with one day of practice and the nightlife of Montreal. Just erase this one from your memory bank and uh, and come back next week prepared.
1: All right. So, again, it was a 41-12 loss. Really, it was 41-6. to six. Watching that game at halftime when it was 21-3, to three, I was just – I didn't – honestly, I didn't – I had the game on in the second half, but I didn't really pay attention to it. Cause I knew the game was over. I was like, all right, this is one of those 40 to six kind of games. And it almost ended up that way. Um, but the loss of Mason fine, obviously is the big story of this one with the ha- what appears to be in hamstring injury, which uh, Craig Dickinson said after the game, they're looking at about two to three weeks. Uh, so Jake Dolagala is going to be the guy to go in. Um, Mason fine. Did not look good. He was missing a lot of throws. Wasn't throwing it far by any means. And then Dola Gala didn't really look much better either. uh, Especially to start. He finally got into a bit of a rhythm later in the the second half. But nothing to write home about. Um, I I, I, I don't even know what to say about this game.
0: I just want to know... Are they like serving corn on the cob on the rider's sidelines? Why does Jake Dalgala feel like he's got butter on his hands? He cannot hang on to the ball. It's just ridiculous. It's just like, like give him, like do the old little giants, give him the stickum so he has to like basically slap his hands together to pull them apart. Because I don't, I haven't seen a quarterback fumble the ball this many times in a row. This is games in a row. It's wild.
2: I have to say it's amazing that you made a little giants reference. I don't think I've made one of those in years, and I made one at work today too. They're they're few and far between. To have two in one day—that's a solid day.
1: Um, I think what we'll we'll stick with the offense uh, for a little bit. Just um, I I want to say I was disappointed that we didn't see Shea Patterson. I think a lot of fans were, but also he was really only available in an emergency situation. Uh, his knee still a bit messed up. Um, I would have rather, especially after Dolagala got some of the, the second quarter and then the third quarter, I would have rather seen somebody out there in the fourth, but if you're not going to have a healthy quarterback in there, I guess their, their hands were tied really with what happened. So I think a lot of people kind of needed to hear that because a lot of people don't even know that Shea Patterson's hurt. Um, so that's why we, saw Dolagala continue on through the blowout.
0: Which also might explain, if Patterson's been nicked up, that might explain why Dolagala has been doing those weird short yardage plays for the last couple games, too. Because it made no sense to roll Dolagala out there. But yeah, if Patterson's nicked up, that makes sense.
2: It's, it's really terrifying to think that if, uh, if Shea Patterson is hurt at points in that game, we were one hit away from Nick Marshall lining up at, the, at quarterback. Which, I mean, he couldn't have done worse than, than Dalagala did that game, but still, that, that QB depth was getting pretty scary
1: thin. Um, I do want to give a, a positive to the offense um, because it, it, it's been a while since we've seen the run game actually perform and, and put up some numbers. And they did this game, and they did throughout the game too. Jamal Morrow had 81 yards rushing. Um, so I think now more than ever, and we'll talk about this later when we look at the BC game, but the run game is so vital to the Riders right now. And for them to get it going a little bit in in this game against Montreal, I think was a was a step in the right direction. Um, I'm still not going to put too much stock into it, but got to find something positive about, uh, positive about that game. And that was definitely, it was the run game.
0: We've been begging right, well, for all year. To see that run game do something. So, yeah, it was great to have at least one positive come out of that game.
1: Well, we'll flip over to the defensive side. And I think it all started going downhill right when we found out Caleb Evans was going to start that game and it wasn't going to be Cody Fajardo. I thought that was just talk from Jason Moss that Fajardo wasn't going to play or was a game time decision. And it ended up being a great decision for Montreal because they kept their quarterback healthy and. Caleb Evans looked, I mean, the riders have been notorious over the years for making backups look great. And that's what they did with Caleb Evans. I
0: have a term for that. It's called Spurgeon One.
1: <laughs> well, Buck Pierce was a nobody until he showed up at Taylor Field one day as a third stringer in BC and made a nice career out of that.
0: Yeah, but okay, Buck Taylor Pierce was actually a quarterback. Buck Pierce was a good it was a good quarterback. Spurgeon win beat the Riders on two separate occasions with two different teams and could do nothing after that.
1: Yeah, and so. cost the Riders a home playoff game in 2004. I'll still never forgive him for that one. And G-Roy Simon, too, catching that touchdown at the end of a meaningless game for BC. But G-Roy made up for that 2013. Yeah, this is true, well, forgive he did. Him. Um, But I think that Caleb Evans starting – I think that threw the defense off a little bit. I don't think they were ready for a running quarterback like that. They were expecting a guy to be a little bit more in the pocket with Cody Fajardo. They definitely prepared for Cody Fajardo because they had no idea what Caleb Evans was going to do. And to me, again, this is the preparation side of things. They had no idea what they were doing on defense. After the first drive, they got ran over. You knew they were going to continue doing that and nothing changed. Caleb Evans kept running well, um, and this was, was without um, William Standback as well, too. They just kept running the ball down the rider's throat, and it, just, it was frustrating to watch because you have a backup quarterback, you're going to lean to the run, and when you have a running quarterback, you're going to run it even more than you normally would with a regular backup quarterback. So I think it threw the defense off. I don't think Shivers was ready for it. Um, I wish they would have had Micah Tights or Larry Dean spy the running back or the quarterback more than they did. Um, putting Micah Tights dropping into coverage and him covering Austin Mack was baffling to me. That defense was not ready for this game, and it clearly showed.
0: We have two games where the starting quarterback has gone out and the defense has not been able to figure it out. I, have seri- I know everyone talks, and I like Shivers as a coach. I have serious concerns about his ability to transition when his game plan gets scrapped. Look at that original BC game against uh, yeah, original BC game. They had a perfect plan against Burnham Adams. Adams goes out and then they got lost. BC rallied and the defense couldn't do anything. Cody Fajardo's out. It's Caleb Evans. Jamie Nye changed his pick pre-game going, oh, this is going to be a blowout for, he was right. He thought it was going to be for the Riders. (laughs) Luckily, a CFL.ca pick was right for his his sake. But everyone expected the Riders to walk all over Caleb Evans, and they got schooled because they could not transition off of, oh, crap, our game plan's out. Oh, well, we'll just roll with it. There needs to be some way to figure this out and make the proper changes, but they just seem to be stuck on their game plans.
2: It is crazy to me if you think about it. The week before, they would have game-planned all week for a near-identical quarterback in Dustin Crumb. that mobile guy with an okay arm. It's the fact that they couldn't turn it around from the opening play was was surprising to everybody. (laughs) There's enough talent on that defense. They should have been able to contain uh, Caleb Evans without any kind of concern, and yet they put up a 40-burger on us.
1: All right, so who do you blame for the lack of preparedness? Do you blame this on travel and short week? Do you blame it on coaches? Do you blame it on the players? What do you guys think? Yes.
0: I blame it on the guy who looks like he's doing a Rubik's Cube in his head every time the camera shows him.
1: That would be Craig Dickinson,
0: head coach. Yes. Why does he always look so
1: confused? Because he's always I, so confused. <laughs> I joked about this, but there's a lot of truth that's said in jest that he just looks like he doesn't know what's going on. And every time they show him, he just looks just totally out to lunch. And I've never seen a coach look like that so much before in my life. He knows the camera's on him at all times. But to look that out of it? just seems weird to me. Well, it just seems so weird to me because there's no control of the team. You can look at Edmonton, 0-9. You know who's in control of that team. You can look at the Toronto Argonauts, 7-1. When they show the sidelines, you know who's in charge of that team. That's a Ryan Dinwiddie-led team. You don't see that here in Saskatchewan. I don't know who's controlling this team. Not that he has to be going out and yelling and screaming and and whatnot. That works for some coaches. Obviously, that's not a Craig Dickinson type thing. But there's no command of the locker room of the players of the field. And this goes back to last year. I said the same thing last year about uh, when it was after one of their losses and the media asked him, what's the vibe like in the locker room? He says, I don't know. I haven't gone in there and talked. That's the player's thing. No, 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 no. That is still your room. That is the head. The head coach goes in there and everybody shuts up, and they listen to you. And I don't feel that there's that respect in that locker room for him that same way that it should be. And that just goes to their preparedness. They were not ready to go. And, yeah, you can blame travel on that. Yeah, you can blame a short week. You can blame the players for maybe not giving it all, especially in the second half when they knew the game was pretty much over. But to me, that's all on the coach. That's all coaching. And that's the frustrating part for me as a Ryder fan right now is it's time and time and time again we're seeing this from this team and nothing's improving from the coach. Everybody should be trying to improve. It doesn't look like Craig Dickinson's trying, and that's frustrating to me. So after the game, obviously – I can't
0: top that. That is –
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, obviously everyone now seems to call for Craig Dickinson to be fired. I've been on that train for a year and a half. I'm not going to go into that more right now. Um, my question to you guys, will it happen mid-season? Will the Riders move on from Craig Dickinson?
2: If you would have asked me that three, four I weeks say- ago... I would have told you, no, there's no chance. They're just not going to make that call. But as we got, as the season has gone on and some of these losses being as embarrassing as they are and unprepared as they are, and seeing some that could be clearly pointed towards the head coach for just questionable at best coaching decisions, I'm starting to think yes. And I think it happens Monday morning. You're going to see, if you're going to make a change, your bi-week is the chance to do it. You're not going to have a better opportunity than next week. Prepare for Labor Day with whoever you're going to run the season out with and go. So if it doesn't happen Monday morning, I don't think it happens
1: at all. Greg, I know you want to jump in on this. I'm, I'll let you get there in a second. Steve, don't tease me like this because Monday's my birthday. This would be the best birthday gift for me. So d- don't get my hopes up here, okay? Okay. <laughs> I, I think it happens. I do. Greg.
0: I honestly don't think you know what you think I'm teeing up here. Um who? That's my only problem. Who? If it not Dicky, then who? There's only one name that I think maybe to get you through the year, and only because Hamilton just released released him, Tommy Condell's out there. And that might be the only guy that might be head coach ready right now. But I don't like it. And I see Steve doesn't like it. No, Alex doesn't like it. I'd rather run with Dickinson. Then who? Well, there you go. I think, so I think it I comes. There's no one out there.
2: I don't think they hire from outside during the season. I think they run out the season with either Shivers or Bull Duke as your interim head coach and run it out there's no chance that they hire somebody from outside of the organization. And there's less of a chance that they hire somebody like Tommy Condell, who just got fired as head as offensive coordinator. And you never see a guy get let go as OC and then instantly become head coach. Never happened. Hasn't happened ever. Jason Moss, but like, I just, I don't see a situation where they make that call. And if you're Condell, are you signing for multiple years? Or are you just signing for the next six months?
0: Whoever Whoever's going to be in that role is lame duck anyways. It doesn't matter if they're on the staff or not.
1: Yeah. And so that I, why I don't, it
0: doesn't happen from outside.
1: Yeah. And that's why I don't think a move will actually happen. For one, the Riders are four and five. They're in third place in the West. They're still in a playoff spot. There's not going to be a crossover because have you seen those two teams in the bottom in the East? Um, that's not going to happen. Um, I think Calgary will still find a way to string some wins together. They got Edmonton coming up twice. So, I mean, they should win both those games. Um, if it were to happen, one, I think it does happen in the bye week. Um, I can't see it being Shivers. I think he has too much on his plate with being defensive coordinator. Um, Bull Duke was the other name that I had from internally that could, uh, that could maybe do it. Running backs coach. I mean it's not like they were really using the running backs up until this last week anyway. So what's he doing, right? He might as well be the head coach at this point. Um but if you're looking at externally and someone that could potentially be here longer than this year, the only name I thought of was Paul Appolis. But he ain't, would he, he turn down the double dip?
0: He's double dipping yeah, right now.
1: Is he gonna? Is he gonna leave? That, leave TSN to do that to basically be a lame duck coach? I don't think so. So, I don't think like there's no winning in this for me for the riders. Yeah, you could realistically give Bullduke or Shivers a, a shot at it and see what happens, but you, you kind of almost have to stay with Craig Dickinson, don't you? J O Pop. No. I can't see
0: that. I, don't, I I I don't see O'Day ever wanting to patrol the sidelines like Jim Pop always wanted to be a head coach. But I mean, the Riders oh, have fun. an
2: assistant head coach right now on their roster. They don't have like their coaching staff on the Bill website. They don't have an actual assistant head coach, which to me is odd. I don't remember the last time I saw a team not have somebody listed as run game coordinator and assistant head coach. Maybe that's what they need—is somebody. To take on some of those responsibilities, keep Dickinson on staff, but maybe let him pawn
1: some of that stuff off to, I don't know, an assistant head coach. Give it to Drew Tate. Why not? Let him do the, the on field game management. Mm-hmm. It can't be any worse, can it? Like, you might as well. But on the flip side, it's Drew Tate. What
2: did Sorry, I say? Or after the, uh...
1: Um, all right, so obviously everyone's upset about Craig Dickinson. I had a little bit of fun on, on Sunday morning. I uh rewrote the lyrics for Living on a Prayer to get Dickie out of here, knowing that people would either A love it or B hate it, and I was right, both of them. Uh, yes. they love and hate it. I don't think we've had a, a Facebook post go off quite like that one. Um, but it just goes to show how many people, I mean. Craig Dickinson said it himself. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody has, has an opinion. Um, all the fans oh, have yeah. an opinion. Hi, here. Yeah, everybody Everybody has an opinion. And judging by what our social media mentions were on, on Facebook, yeah, a lot of people are pretty pretty fed up. But, I mean, you can't blame him for injuries. You can't blame him for the players that are brought in. I mean, there's, there's so many variables. But it is what it is i guess
0: um one second can i make a request uh, craig next can you this week tell us if you're watching on max youtube or if you just listen can you be a little more specific on how you get your podcast information
1: <laughs> hopefully somebody asks them that'll be great um so after this game riders obviously need a quarterback now that mason fine is out uh they went out and acquired antonio pickin from hamilton for kicker car carry car- car- um, I'm not going to try and spin this and sell you on Antonio Pipkin. One, he can run the short yardage, I guess, so that's good. And they have an emergency backup, a guy with experience. Good. They got something for literally nothing. Vedvik was never getting his job back. Adam Corsak has been fantastic, and Vedvik was never going to see the field again as a rider, barring an injury. So to get anything out of or from a trade for Vedvik is great to get a quarterback which you desperately need right now. I think that was a big win for the Riders. I'm trying to figure
0: out Hamilton's angle on this. It's not like they had a bulk of quarterbacks in their back pocket. They literally signed a guy named Glass with their history this year. Talk about gambling. So like it made no sense for me, but I I'm just surprised how like somehow Backup punter replaced backup quarterback on the Ryder fans love chart this, this week. I have never seen so many people pissed off about losing a punter. It, it's been insane to watch. Like, with given how good
2: corsack has been, I can't understand why anybody would be upset at this trade. Like, it's not like Vedvik was absolutely lights out as a punter. He was a solid punter, but he was no... Hall of Famer by any stretch. He wasn't going to do anything long-term. He was going to be an adequate punter in the CFL. And to get a guy with experience, let alone at the quarterback position when every QB in the league seems to be going down, is an absurd trade to me. Yes, we understand Pipkin is not the championship-level quarterback. We know he's not going to lead us to glory. But what he might do is be able to put on a jersey next week healthy-wise, and that's enough for a backup hunter. I don't care if his extent with the team is holding a clipboard for the rest of the season. I have that's, no idea he, why he's dropping all out he does, of That was weird. That, <laughs> if that's all he ever does, that's more than enough. If his clipboard holding skills match that of Drew Tate as a rider,
1: good enough. Alright. Um, halfway through the season, Riders are four and five. Uh, two questions. Are they where you thought they'd be, at least record-wise? Halfway through the year.
0: I had a few more wins. Uh, I know that for a fact. Uh, I had them as a what, 12-win or 13-win team this year. Uh, they got to pick it up a bit. Got to pick it up. Just uh, saying. Uh they're going to finish in a playoff spot. Uh, like we said, between Ottawa and Hamilton, they one of them ain't going to cross over. They might be lucky to be in third place in their their own division. So, the Riders should be able to find a uh, playoff spot this year. I'm going to go out on, on a crazy limb here, and yes, I agree. The
2: Riders are not where we expected them to be. I thought I thought 11, 12 wins. Now I'll be happy with nine and nine. I think that's a a reasonable target. But I'm going to put it out there that the Edmonton Elks will be closer to a playoff spot at the end of the season than the Calgary Stampeders. With Trey Ford at quarterback. I liked what they did last week to start the half. Yes, they floundered against Winnipeg, but they came out hot. I think they finally pick up a win soon. I don't think they make the playoffs, but I think they finish ahead of... The Stampeders by season 10.
1: So, you are I predict-
2: assume that'll go as well as my prediction for the Riders finishing second in the West and 12 and six or 11 and seven. So, maybe my prediction skills aren't
1: that great. <laughs> I had them at nine and nine this year. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of on par for where they are now. But I actually thought they'd be a little bit better in the first half of the year. Um, all things considering con- you're down to your third string quarterback, you're still in a playoff spot that's that's an okay place to be in right now um, but with these next few games coming up bc then Winnipeg twice yikes all of a sudden you're probably looking at four and eight uh and then you have Edmonton after that and that's when things will i mean who knows maybe Mason finds back after that and lights it up and turns the team into a contender but I don't know We'll have to see from there. Uh, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festian of Royal Page Regina Realty. Let's jump to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And before we get started talking about uh, the big thing around the CFL, I do want to give a special shout out to Ariel Zer, Director of Communications for the Riders and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Giving us a couple great team signed footballs. Love this. Even got QB1, no, not Mason Fine, Trevor Harris. Uh, on there as well so uh, they gave us a couple of them I swear I'm not going to keep them I want to but uh, um, what we're going to do is we don't know the final details yet I just picked them up yesterday but CFL fans fight cancer event at Grey Cup happens yearly Um, we ran that last year Um, we're going to find out a way to to raise money for that through these footballs so somebody here is going to own one of these guys, and uh, hopefully we can uh, raise some money for cancer. So that we'll get you some details on that. But a big shout-out to Ariel and uh, the community leads over with the riders. I just sent an email and said, hey, we want to do something for CFL fans fight cancer. I'll go buy a football. Can you help me get the team to sign it? And she's like, oh, hey, I got two of them for you. So that was excellent. Thank you very much, Ariel, and, uh, and to the riders for that. Okay, Victor Cui and the Edmonton Elks. This is all anybody's talking about. Uh, News came out on Monday night, Farhan Lalji broke it, that Victor Cui and the Elks mutually parted ways, which is not a thing. You don't mutually part ways because somebody always initiates it. This was initiated by the board of directors for the Edmonton Elks. I did not see that coming. What was your guys' first initial reaction when you saw that? (laughs) (laughs) For those listening, Steve gave a shock face.
2: (laughs) Hey, we're on video now. We can do those kinds of things. I mean, shock is is about as good a descriptor as you can have. I don't think there's anybody out there that could have said, you know, I think Victor gets fired this week. Given the public persona that he's put out there, He's been a very positive presence for the league, very out there, very uh, personable. Now, whether that's the case behind the scenes, we, who knows? You're starting to hear things come out that that might not be the case. And you're starting to understand why maybe this happened. But I don't think anybody saw this coming. If anybody was going to get fired in Edmonton, I assumed it would have happened, you know, one level down. Not, not at the, uh, the president level.
0: See quiz problem is he only had one job title. If he had four, he he might have survived this. <laughs> uh,
1: been given a vote of like,
0: confidence after as well. Yeah. So it it yeah, it blew my mind. Like I could not believe of this is not a move you make mid-season. Um usually a move like this made mid-season, there's usually a blockbuster story that comes out and I'm, I'm having Tillman flashbacks right now. Anyway, sorry. It's just, it's not something that happens often. And the fact that it's happening in Edmonton right now, I, I tweeted out, the Elks have played nine games and they're 0-10. It's not a good look for the team for that's already struggling to try to find some kind of rudder to move forward. And they just keep on smashing in the rocks right now.
1: Over in Edmonton, a lot of people want Chris Jones fired. Um, obviously, usually the second year of a Chris Jones rebuild, ESC growth. We have not seen that this year. They haven't won a game. Victor Quee didn't hire Chris Jones. Chris Jones was hired a month before Victor Quee was hired as president of the Elks. I wonder if Victor Quee wanted to make a move regarding Chris Jones, take away one of his titles, um, maybe put G Roy Simon as the, as the official GM and bump Jones away from that and make him just the head coach and defensive coordinator. Maybe the board of directors didn't like that. I don't know. Uh The board seems to really love Chris Jones over in Edmonton. I really wonder what the rest of this story is. Cause this came as a shock to me. I know I've heard around the, some around the league, some executives, uh, just down highway number two. Don't really like uh, Victor Kui just based off some of his initiatives and what he wants to do when, no, that's our thing. Well, it can be more than one team's thing, Rough Riders. Um, But I was really impressed with his initiatives to try and get more fans in. And that's something that the league needed. And I thought he did pretty well, obviously, having a winning team would have definitely helped. You would have seen their attendance climb instead of decline. But something just doesn't add up here. Um, I really hope we'll get something that resembles the actual story fairly soon, but I don't think we will. We won't get the full story. There's no way that's ever coming out. But it just seems to me like my initial thought is Victor Quee wanted to do some things, The Old Boys Club said no. Well, Victor built one, um, the MMA company that he owns, that he started one fighting into a multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar corporation. I think the guy knows what he's doing in terms of marketing and how to get people engaged. So there's something there between him and the board that just, I, I want to know what it is just out of curiosity, um, but we'll likely never know. So I, I, I sure hope we find out. That'd be great.
2: But my, we may have to wait for Victor Quee's tell-all book. Might be a few years, but hopefully there is one and we get the real story.
0: Oh, no, I'm certain it's going to come out sooner than that. Because you, you know someone on the board is going to leak to some Edmonton reporter. This is the, where I wish Terry Jones was still around. Because... Someone on the board would say something to Terry Jones. Terry Jones would put it out into public like it's gospel, and then Quee would have to respond. But the fact that a guy with new ideas, fresh ideas, it, it actually kind of concerns me about the, the CFL as a whole. When, say what you want, Gary Stern, love him or hate him, the guy had a passion. He was trying to do things in Montreal. He's gone. Victor Qui, who also was trying to do things, trying to do new things, he's gone. In less than a year, like we're, we're just we're we're falling into the same trap over and over again with this league. Like we need new ideas, we need new blood, and Chris Jones and Wally, one hundred percent Wally Buono the next president of the of the Elks. I almost called them the wrong name, but. Because that's probably what's going to happen. Because they went and got Wally Buono to go, hey, hire Chris Jones. Okay. And then they hired a president. That was always backwards to me. And it looks like it probably was the beginning of the end for him.
1: I don't know. Wally did say in that uh, interview with Farhan Lalji on, uh, what was it, Saturday night, he's definitely retired. Definitely retired. Everybody who's unretired has always said that. So, I mean, maybe... Maybe you're onto something there with Wally, at least in the interim. Uh, in Terry Edmonton. funk of the CFL, Wally Guano <laughs> just he's just always there. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Edmonton, especially if they keep losing the way that they are to blowing 22 point leads and still losing by almost double digits. Like, just it's 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 beyond sad. It's 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 just bad for the league overall. Um, and to betting, lose a guy is, is not good.
0: Betting on the Elks right now is like betting on the Washington Generals to be the Globetrotters. They're due. I thought they were They're due. due. Yeah.
1: That's the Simpsons reference this week, Steve.
0: I had, had to jam it in there. I know. I jam it in there. <laughs> okay, I know. <laughs> coming to the end.
1: Um, flipping to on the field, Zach Caleros gets hurt uh, against those Elks last week. Uh, we can debate the hit all we want. We'll save that for let the turf district deal with that on their show this week. Um Drew Brown comes in in uh in relief, looked excellent. And John Hodge of three down nation said Drew Brown is better than half the starting QBs in this league. QB1s, not just QBs starting right now, because like six of them are all backups. Is Drew Brown actually the best? QB2, but also is he better than a lot of QB1s in this league?
0: Um John Hodge. That 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 take is about as good as hat is his hat selection. Um, and there's a you very like few people like that, that joke. You they, don't like and the they will find that hilarious. I did not like the Fedora. Um <laughs> the people that got that joke are laughing their butts off right now. Uh, John Hodge also says Nick Demski's a thousand yard receiver, and he hasn't even been close. Like I like John Hodge, but some of his takes are not worth the characters he uses. Brown looked good, sure. It was the Elks. Who cares? Let's let's see against some real competition.
2: Pretty much that. I'm not ready to anoint him as the the next Hall of Famer by any stretch. The guy, the guy had one good game against a, an absolutely garbage football team, and and in a week when the team didn't get to prepare for him, we saw with uh, Saskatchewan, Montreal that plays a, plays into it a lot. Not having the ability to prepare for the guy that you're facing is a big deal. Let's let's see how he does against stronger competition before we uh, anoint him as the next one. There's talent there, no question. I just don't think it's quite uh, to the level that that we're hearing yet.
1: You know, I will side with Hodge a little bit on one thing, though, is that um, he's probably the best backup in the league, just based on the fact he's been in that system for so long. He's been there for a few years. You look how much turnover there is in terms of quarterbacks in the CFL, and he's kind of been that mainstay. Claros and Drew Brown have been that mainstay in Winnipeg the last few years. Every other team has gone through the cycle. So to have that continuity is a huge thing. And if he ends up having to play, because, I mean, I know Kleros didn't practice in day one this week. I didn't see what happened after. Um, but they have what seems to be a viable backup, and that's important in this league. Um, I don't know if I'll say he's better than half the starting quarterbacks, but I think he's better than a few that started this league or started this this season. Uh, QB1s so I mean I can kind of yeah I can kind of Side with with Hodge on that Um, So (coughs) halfway Through the year Most teams have played Every team in the west has played nine games Right now Who is the MOP Who is the most outstanding player In the CFL
0: Chad
2: I don't think there's really any question Kelly. right now. Yeah, it's it's Chad Kelly right now, especially if Caleros is out for any length of time after his head or neck injury. I don't think there's really any question right now. What he's doing in Toronto, especially given his inexperience in the CFL, is fairly solid.
0: He's just not making mistakes. You can make a... Argument for Vernon Adams, the way he plays, but he's been injured for a few games. Um, but yeah, it's... Unfortunately, I think Kelly is the easy favorite right now.
1: I think it comes down to five names, um, which I could see all five of them really making really good cases. Zach Claros is one of them. Leads the league in touchdowns, leads, lead, leads the league in passing. The team's back to being... I don't want to say unstoppable, but they've gone back to looking like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the last few years. Uh, He's one of them. Chad Kelly, of course, making me eat a lot of crow. On this show, I went out and said that I don't think this guy's it. He just doesn't have the passion. He doesn't have a heart. He doesn't want to be a CFL quarterback. This guy has been awesome, and it's great for the league. I agreed with Dave Naylor when he said he's the most important player in this league. I still think he is. And the fact that he's playing good and winning is is great for the CFL. So Chad Kelly is in there. You can also make cases for Vernon Adams. Uh, he's been fantastic this year, except for one six interception game. But you take away the worst game from anybody, and obviously those stats will, will look better. Um, but two names that... Are still putting up really good numbers and having excellent seasons. Willie Jefferson and Matthew Betts. I think they've been fantastic and they've been better than just most outstanding defensive players. They've been most outstanding players this year. So a little bit of love to the defensive side. Um, I'd love to see it's you know, really
0: I love it.
1: I know. I know. But I would love to see it. I, I love Willie Jefferson. Um, I think he's just a fantastic person. And then he's an even better football player on top of that, which is crazy. Um, I'd love to see him double dip and get the MOP and and defensive player. I know it won't happen, but a couple names there as well.
2: I would agree with Matthew Betts until about three weeks ago. He seems to have uh, dropped off from his torrid start to start the season. He hasn't had a sack in three weeks. Now, in fairness, he did have a blocked, hunt last week to make up for the lack of sacks, but he's been kind of finding himself off the statistical sheet at the end of the week. He needs to get back on there. And I mean, he's facing a Riders old line that has been suspect at best through most of the year. So he could do numbers this week, even though we did pull them off the
1: stat sheet last time. So who knows? No, he did get that sack on the very last play of the game. He
0: got that one at the very
1: end at the oh, very last yeah. play. Yep. Yeah. I forgot. Um, And one more thing on the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. I want to bring up Toronto on their bye week again, third bye week already this year. Then they're done for bye weeks for the year. Just another scheduling fail by the CFL. Like, especially when you look at the Argos schedule and their one home game in the last six weeks was in Halifax. So this is a team who hasn't played at home in six weeks. All of a sudden yeah, okay. You're going to going on a bye week again. Like it's just ridiculous. It can't be. There's nine teams in this league. It can't be that hard to make a schedule, and balance it out a little bit. It can't be that tough.
0: Apparently, there it is, is no. We excuse. have this conversation every year. There,
2: there's no excuse to see one team have all three of their bye weeks in the first half of the season. There is teams over the next half that still have two bye weeks to go. And Toronto's done. They're gonna play nine straight games to close it out, or ten? Is it ten? I think they play ten straight Maybe games. ten to yep. close out the season. That's absurd. The whole point of bye weeks is to get that rest to keep guys healthy. It's a, it's a medical issue. They are doing this wrong, and they're they're really hurting the Argos in the process because any chance they have of building momentum to start the season keeps getting quashed with these. These early bye weeks. They need to see that succession. Keep fans excited, not sit them at home for another week and wait till. uh, till yeah, you saw a great game last week. We'll see in two weeks or six weeks at some point. Just questionable at best uh, scheduling by the CFL. And we'll have this conversation again in 12 months. They'll do it again. They always do.
1: Uh, at least for Toronto's sake, they'll have the East wrapped up in, uh, what, week 14? So they can start resting pretty much any time they want after that. All right, well, let's take a look. Flipping back to the Riders, let's take a look at their upcoming game against the BC Lions here on Sunday, 5 o'clock, Mosaic Stadium. Jake Dolagala likely going to get the start. We'll find out for sure within the next couple of days when practice begins. But Jake Dolagala is going to start. Are we going to see a Patterson package if he's healthy, or a Pipkin package to maybe throw off the BC Lions? You met our coaching yeah. staff. That seems too
2: ingenious. That's too much planning. I, I can't see them doing it. We looked all preseason. We were excited about this idea of a Patterson yeah. package, and then and we saw it. I think week one we saw a couple plays, and then that was it. And he's come in for short yardage and nothing else and got hurt at some point. I don't see them doing it. They seem to be very content with keeping to whatever 20 play playbook that they've got. And straying away from that is just too much, too much work. I don't know.
0: It's, I don't see it. They need to do something. Cause the longer they can keep PC's offense off the field, the better. So they need to string string together eight long drives and just pray to God bats doesn't kill a quarterback.
1: That's all they need to do, and they'll be fine. It sounds simple. It really does. Um, but that goes into, kind of talked about a little bit, the run game. How vital is this running game going forward? I have an article coming out later this week that now more than ever, the Riders need their run game to show up. Teams say, yeah, you... I mean, it's a throwing league, but you still have to have the threat of a run game. This team needs to be a running team and have it be successful, uh, especially over the next couple of weeks while Mason Fine is out, to at least stay in games, to keep opponents' offenses off the field, especially BC, who has such an explosive offense. This run game that they had and then didn't have, and then now apparently have again after this Montreal game, they need this run game to show up. I don't think there's, I mean, but it's gotta be not predictable. We talked about this last week and I'm sure a few weeks before as well, that the run game, we know when we can tell that it's going to be a shotgun handoff right up the middle, that's a problem. So I, I'm begging kelly jeffrey to give us some sort of creativity with the run game this week just some a pitch here or there just just something a counter anything i want to see something different than just a shotgun hand up the middle they ran to the outside against montreal they ran off tackle and it worked that's where uh jamal morrow had his best runs last week he had runs of what 17 and and 13 going off tackle and we haven't seen him barely get 13 yards in a game, let alone on one single run over the last month. So I I hope to see more of that. Do you remember early in the season when we were
2: playing? Do you remember early in the season when we played Edmonton? Was was it week one and we had that really, really nifty goal line play and we all thought, yes, we're going to finally see some creativity in our offense. And that was the last time we saw it.
1: It... Because that was Darrell Walker who is now cut. That was the problem. Darrell Walker was the creative. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was the Which sucks, he I, was a creative. I, mind. I like
0: this. I like this h- hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut him.
1: We didn't talk There's about that two? actually.
0: No, we didn't talk. Yeah. I just realized we didn't talk about that.
1: Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised, but when you start thinking about it, yeah, I'm not surprised by any means of, uh, of Darrell Walker getting released with the emergence of Bain and Tevin Jones and uh, Jareth Stearns, Kendall Watson looked all right in his uh, games as well, too. Might as well save a little bit of money, and his contract was going to be guaranteed after this week anyway.
0: Well, we've been talking about for three weeks. Who, wh- Where was the shoe was going to drop? after all this receiver depth, when all these players came back with KSB and Walker and, and it was even before Winicky came back and now Winnick playing. So they're like, Oh, well, I guess we're cutting Walker. It had to happen, unfortunately. And he was, he was signed to be a relief valve for Trevor Harris. Now that Trevor Harris isn't playing, they don't need to worry about it.
1: All right. Um, the, do you guys think the defense will repeat their performance? Not from last week, obviously, um, but against BC a few weeks ago when they lost 19 – what was it, 19-9, nine, I forget what it was. Um, but they only gave up 19 points, and Vernon Adams looked awful until he got injured in that game. They got pressure on him, and then they did pretty well against Dane Evans as well too. Um, do you guys see the defense – redoing that performance. No.
2: No. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) I'll tell you why in two words, Roland Milligan. There's a big difference in their defensive backfield since the last time we played them. And he is a huge part of our defensive success. And why, if you've watched over the last three weeks, there has been a swift decline in in the defense's ability to make stops. They haven't been getting scored on quite like they were last week, but they haven't been as success- successful as they were to start the season. Until he comes back, you're going to see some struggling against some of these top-tier offenses, and BC's might be the best offense in the league.
1: Greg? Greg?
0: Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I, w- I want to believe, but everything about this team right now, I don't know who's going to show up, and that is what scares me. One game, the defense looks lights out and like, yeah, that's the defense we know they're going to be. And the next week, they just look lazy and lethargic and can't get any pressure. So I don't know. And I just all I want to see is some consistency. So, uh, I'm, I'm hoping they, they hold the game tight because I don't want to go to a, see a blowout this week. I really don't.
1: Okay, now hear me out on this. I, I typically don't cheer for any teams to win or lose. I just, I'm the ultimate Rob Lowe. I just want to be entertained. Let me wear my CFL hat, my yeah. CFL shirt, right? Just stand there and clap. I want to see good plays, I don't want anybody to get hurt. I want to be entertained. Obviously, I do want the Riders to win, but ultimately I just want to have a good game and be entertained. Hear me out on this. I want the Riders to lose this week. I want it to be a blowout. For one reason, because I think, think that'd be the only way, that'd be the only way they fire Craig Dickinson and move on. It's going to happen at the end of the year. Craig Dickinson is not going to be the head coach in 2024. It's just not going to happen. Barring even if they win the Grey Cup, I can't see it happening. I just, I it's just, it's just not going to happen. Lose this game, get blown out, have the bye week, put whoever you want there. I don't care who it is; it doesn't matter. Make it in Roosevelt. Let him coach the team. He'd probably get more out of him than Craig Dickinson is right now, and at least I think he'd be completely honest about things and not give. Awful cliche answers. For one game only, I want the to skip blownout. now. But if nothing happens Old after that. I
0: love the players.
1: He'd <laughs> be tougher on them, that's for sure. Although I will say this about Craig Dickinson one thing he's done good this year is the discipline. The discipline of the team has been pretty decent this year. That was a huge, huge concern last year, especially in the second half when the team completely gave up on him. They stopped playing for him. And penalties, penalties, penalties galore. We haven't seen that this year, at least not yet, uh, but we haven't seen it. And he does deserve some kudos for that. And I know he addressed it earlier in the year, saying that that was going to be a focus to make sure this team isn't taking unnecessary penalties and while you can play to the whistle, you're not going to play past the whistle. You're not going to take those 15-yard unnecessary roughness ones. And generally speaking, they haven't done that. So I do have to give kudos to Craig Dickinson for that because that's one thing that he did work on with the team, and it has worked out.
2: We're going to have an hour-long episode here, and all anybody's going to remember from it is Pitbull's podcast rider fan co-host hopes for rider loss. That's going to be the... Uh... The only thing on
1: three donation hear from the last hour three donation. Put, yeah. put that Come headline on. out there. <laughs> put that headline out there. Go for it.
2: Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alex just wants that birthday
1: present. That's right. And then you, you tease me earlier.
0: And then, then subtitle makes fun of Hodges hat.
1: Um. All right. Well, we've been doing this. Let's try it again. There was no impact players last week. Uh, pick one this week both offense and defense
2: uh defense I'm going with uh, amari Henderson we we need him to show up he's he's been pretty solid these last few weeks had a hell of a game this last week against Montreal uh they only threw his way twice or no they they only completed two passes in his direction for minus two yards if we can get that out of him every week that's probably uh good for our defense i would say i would like to see more of that so uh henderson's my defensive uh, impact player
0: uh this one might come to bite me in the butt but uh fn nick marshall keon hatcher like bc's got some good receivers he's gonna be busy all game inside they're gonna be really really good and or alex is going to get his wish because if he has a bad game against these receivers
1: it's going to be a long long game uh, defense, I'm going to go Micah Johnson. Um, I think just being able to – I think he had his best game against BC earlier. Uh, the amount of pressure he's able to get on the inside, forcing one-on-ones uh, on the outside. That's what uh, they'll need to do to stop Vernon Adams, is get that pressure on him instantly, the way that they did in BC Place a few weeks ago. So he's going to have to put in a huge game. I am going to cop out on offense, though. I'm going to take five. And that's gonna be the O-line. They have to play well. They have to. And it has to be run blocking. Um, that's the if you can kill the clock, and even if you end up getting field goals, I know field goals aren't really gonna beat BC, but if you can keep BC off the field and still get some points, that's the only chance they have a win in this game to me. Good.
2: I'm gonna go with I want to go with Jamal Morrow, but I feel like that's that's too simple of an answer. Jake DallaGara is too simple of an answer. Go with Jareth Stearns again. I uh, I think he's that, you know, that third fourth receiver that you need to have a breakout game against a defense like uh, BC. They're a defense that doesn't give up a lot of long plays. They don't. You're not getting a lot of yards after catch. You you have to make do with what you got, and he's a solid, you know, over the middle receiver that I think they need in
0: this one. <laughs> See, I thought about going running game. You didn't take Morrow. I'm actually going to say Thomas Bertrand Hudon, uh, the rookie. I think he's going to uh, surprise some people in some uh, uh, off uh, when Morrow gets a break. So I, I think he's he might get his first touchdown as a writer this
1: game. I'm thinking. Yeah, had some good carries. Honest. Honest. He's
0: been solid on special teams too.
1: All right, well let's uh take a look at these four games this week and uh really quickly I know Steve you're uh you're about your battery's almost dying here, so we gotta rip through this for <laughs> yeah. you. Um Edmonton uh, it's at Hamilton. If he drops out. Yeah. Um Edmonton at Hamilton. My guess is that Hamilton was favored by three and a half. Yeah, I'd say four and a half for Hamilton.
0: Started at four, it is now at minus five and a half.
1: Everyone's on Edmonton this week. I don't see it. Hamilton. I'll take Hamilton to cover. Sure. I'm going to take Hamilton
2: or Edmonton. I just told you, I think that they, uh, they turn their season around and maybe fight for a playoff spot. I got to, I got to take them off the bat. I
0: think Hamilton's going to cover as well.
1: Uh, Game two, Winnipeg at Calgary. Um, Winnipeg's got to be favored by like seven and a half or eight and a half. I'm going to go six and a half.
0: Open at six and a half is now at seven.
1: Yeah, give me Winnipeg.
0: Winnipeg with the touchdown easily. Winnipeg to cover.
1: A hey, uh, big game in the East, actually, in terms of standings. Montreal at Ottawa. My guess is Montreal is favored by two points. I'm going to go three and a half.
0: I'll just dialed in here. Uh started at minus one and a half. It is now at two and a half for Montreal. I'm actually surprised. Yeah, take- I, was gonna, I, thought, I thought when uh, I was gonna I thought Montreal would be higher.
2: I was gonna say Montreal until I saw the look on your face as I started talking, going, Oh, is is Alex that far off? Okay, I'll switch. Sometimes you gotta read the guy, not the not the stats. Apparently I can't do that. I'm a terrible poker player.
0: That reminds me. Let's have a poker game. Uh, yeah, I like uh, Montreal with the points.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Montreal at the points. And BC at Saskatchewan to end the week. I think it started off with BC being, what, a 7.5 favorite, which I thought was way too low. So I would have bet right away on BC on that. I, I'm pretty sure in our
0: DMs I said, uh, if BC is any, anything but less than 10 points, it's a joke. So...
2: Yeah, I'm going to say Uh, nine and a
0: half. It is exactly nine and a half. It started off at seven and a half. It is now at nine and a half.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll still take BC to cover that.
0: I'm actually going to take the Riders to cover. I think the Riders are going to... I don't think Alex is going to get his birthday wish.
2: I... This one hurts. I'm the eternal optimist. But no. No. Happy birthday, Alex. Riders lose by two scores.
1: This course isn't a blowout. Well, depends on how late the riders get their points, right?
0: Hey, garbage time points still count to betters. It doesn't matter when you <laughs> get them.
1: Damn straight It does Fantasy football, too. All right. Well, I think that's uh that's it for us this week, then. Maybe next week we'll have uh a change in management of some sort here in Saskatchewan to talk about. We had one last week in Hamilton and this one with Victor Queen Edmonton. And I don't know, maybe we'll have one in Saskatchewan next week. So we'll figure it out, but otherwise uh, hope everybody has a good, uh, good week, good weekend and enjoys the game. I do hope the game's close as much as I say, I want the riders to get it. And there goes, yes! Keith. we did it. Yes. Um, we did it. as well, as much as I do want to see changes made here in Saskatchewan, I do want it to be a good game. I really do. And I, I it's better if the riders keep it close. So I hope it's a good game. I really do. So.
0: And for those listening, uh, Steve dropped out because he apparently, as much as we hope for a good game, we also hope Steve finds a charge cable for his laptop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I guess we'll just wrap it up here then. Pibbles Podcast. Brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as always go to Kathy Festian of Royal LaPage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Uh, thanks for listening on your podcast platform. Thanks for watching on YouTube and of course our new viewers on tell Max thank you as well. This is Tyler Gilbert, Ghost Behind Your Mind. <laughs>